And now, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Bad translation should read, from glory to glory. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It was the final days before the cross, the final days and hours before Jesus would be led away to be crucified, lifted up on the cross, to give his life as a ransom for many and not just for the sins of the nation of Israel but for the sins of the whole world to open up heaven for everybody. So that whether you were Jew or Gentile, rich or poor, slave or free, whatever you were in that society from that day to this, heaven would be open to you. And it was on such an occasion when Jesus indicated the manner of death he was going to die, he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all people to myself, that they received a message from a bunch of Greeks and they said, please send this message to Jesus. What was the message? The message was, we want to see him. Sir, we want to see Jesus. I hope that that's your deepest prayer. That's your deepest longing today, to see him, to have a vision of him that dominates your eyes, fills your eyes, takes hold of your heart, and becomes the leading vision of your life. In the 1930s, television was introduced to Great Britain. If dear Daisy Ann was here, I dare say she could tell us about it. In the 1930s, those television sets, don't look at me, I wasn't here, and I know. <laughs> the, the screen was about like this, black and white, very fuzzy. And in those days, the families were rather, rather larger than they are today. The family would gather around that tiny little box, they called it the goggle box. and catch what they could of some of the first television broadcasts. But over the years, things have changed. Screens have got bigger, definition higher. And now, in some parts of society, you ain't nobody unless you've got one of them new big flat screen, large wall to ceiling, floor to ceiling screens. Even if your little bedsit room, your, your studio apartment is nine by eight feet, you've got a whole wall filled with a screen. And here in Kensington Temple, we have not been outdone because when the screen behind us <laughs> was built and assembled a number of years ago, we were told 
by the people who sold it to us, so we don't know how true it is, that this was going to be the biggest permanent indoor screen in Europe. Well, I, I don't know about that then, don't know about it today, but I do know it's a big screen. But there's a bigger one. If you go to the planetarium, you know, next to Madame Two Swords, been to the planetarium, there, the whole of the dome ceiling is given over to, to the projection of a vision of the universe. It's almost as if you're in a space shuttle. You can see it there. What an amazing, wide, 180-degree vision. And it reminds me of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and in my life, to increase our vision, to have a large screen vision of who Jesus is, a high-definition vision of who Jesus is because you and I as human beings are drawn towards the most dominant vision in our lives. What we see very often is what we produce in our lives. What we see is very often what we follow. And if the vision of Jesus is fresh and sharp and, and full of color and, and is clear then you will be drawn closer to him than ever before. So, we need a fresh vision. Now, uh, the verse here speaks about seeing him. And the uh, implication of this is clear, and I'll show you other scriptures. When we look at him, we don't look at the one who was in his humiliation or in, in the life of his days on this earth, in the flesh, He's still in the flesh, but his flesh is glorified. And we see him now, now, crowned with glory and honor. Very important. The Christian life is, is about a life of faith. Which means we fix our eyes on that which cannot be seen with the visible spectrum. In other words, our vision is the capacity to see the invisible and through the eyes of faith and we prefer the invisible to the visible. That doesn't mean to say that we ignore the visible. All right? So in other words, if you press that button to cross the road, you better watch and pray. You don't just go through life as if the physical world does not exist. Of course it does exist, but it is the world of sense data and will not give you all the information you need to go from earth to heaven. That's why Jesus came from heaven, to bring us a heavenly vision, a heavenly revelation, and to give us the capacity to believe, which is to see the invisible, to understand the things of the Spirit. So it is a spiritual vision. That's why it requires discipline. It comes by revelation, but requires discipline so that we may maintain that fresh vision of the Lord. And why is it so important to have a meaningful, fresh revelation and fresh, increasing, expanding, ever-clarifying vision of the Lord? Because it's the secret of spiritual endurance. Have you noticed, friends, how that it is easy to start but hard to keep going? Many, many people have good ideas. They say, oh yes, I know. I'm going to go through a fitness program 
before Christmas. I'm going to make sure there's plenty of space for the Christmas pudding, and I don't carry one in front of me before Christmas. And they're the same people who after Christmas are saying, where's the latest diet? So it is some good ideas and some things is good to start and so forth, but hard to maintain. But one of the hardest things in life is to maintain the daily discipline of seeking God and enduring to the very end. We are to run with endurance. We're to run with patience. And don't underestimate what that takes. It takes a daily supply of the Holy Spirit. Every day, His mercies must be new to you. Every day, the bread must be fresh to you. And every day, your revelation of Jesus and your vision of Him must be before your eyes. Look at this verse, Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore we are surrounded by, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which, so, which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance. Endurance. It's an endurance race, an endurance test. Let us run with endurance. In other words, we go and keep on going and keep on going. It keep and it ain't over till it's over. Amen. Endurance, the race that is set before us. How? By looking unto Jesus. If you hold him before your eyes, you will follow him, you will pursue him, you will see nothing compares with him, nothing will de deflect your attention from him because he's the only one who guarantees the end of your faith. He is the author and perfecter of your faith. That is what it says, looking unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus says, what I went through, you've got to go through. You keep your eye on the prize, your eye on the joy that is set before you, and I am your joy, and I am welcoming you. You're running the race looking unto me, and the more you look unto me, the faster you will run. The more you look unto me, the more your life will be anointed. The more you look unto me, the stronger you will be, and you will endure to the blessed end. Amen and amen. amen. When you have that vision of Jesus, you learn the secret of spiritual endurance. You also learn the secret of spiritual revelation. Now that's important. Everything that we have that's worthwhile comes by revelation. We don't figure it all out. Remember Peter? Who do you say that I am? I know, I know, I know. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter, don't boast about this revelation. You didn't work it out for yourself. This came by revelation. We need revelation. Why is it that your friends, you'll talk to them about Jesus, you'll talk to them about what's happened in your life, and they will say, oh, how nice for you. Uh, what, 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 where are we going after work? But I just told you how much Jesus loves you. Yeah, that's nice. Yes, I wish I could believe that, but it's nice for you. What's missing in their life? Revelation. God opening their eyes. Amen? The Bible says that God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God 
in the face of Jesus Christ. The fact that we can say we see him is not our own visible capacity or visual capacity. It's not that we just because we've been to spec savers. We see Jesus because the Holy Spirit has opened our eyes. And when that happens, revelation flows. Spiritual guidance. Spiritual direction. Learn this from Isaiah 6 verse 1. Isaiah is now called in the ministry of prophetic ministry. And his call is confirmed and it says... His testimony in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. No, I saw him. Now, his was probably an open vision, something that looked very physically real. For most of us, we don't get that, certainly not every day. Our vision is nevertheless as clear, just as clear. But I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. That's the only revelation that will do. Not that Jesus, well, let me say, not, well, anyway, what it is, is the positive, Jesus, the victorious one. <laughs> He's not defeated. He's not visible, but he is living. He is not here, but he is ruling. We can't see him with our physical eyes, but spiritually, we know he's seated upon the throne. And, and, uh, and Isaiah said, yeah, and that throne is high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And then he testifies to the outcome of that revelation. He's called to carry the revelation of God to the nation. Now not all of us are called to that level of prophetic understanding. But every one of us has the spirit of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus. Every one of us has the Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit who reveals to us day by day, who leads us and guides us. And you will never be short of wisdom when you're full of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, I, I'm enjoying life outside in the real world. Most of my ministry has been conducted over these years to ministering within the church buildings to people who already believe. That's you and me, mostly, here today. And that's wonderful. But oh, the joy of stepping out and building friendships. It's particularly burdened for the millennial generation. My social media ministry in Brazil is developing it's all in Portuguese, and I don't speak much of it, but people are helping me, and here in Britain, and I, over these last years, I've been getting to know young people, the millennial generation, amazing, amazing people, absolutely wonderful people, but they're into all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff. So, you know, I've had Buddhist friends, and I learned all about Buddhism, studied it at college, but refreshed my memory, got everything together. I said, no, like, oh, Buddhism, no, I'm no longer a Buddhist. So I said, I've studied all for nothing to help you, and you've changed. <laughs> Others, Muslims and, and atheists and skeptics and New Agers. Oh, the New Agers are amazing people. They're so spiritual. I love a new ager because a new ager knows that there is a spiritual realm. You just got to make sure so they're switched into the right spirits. 
You see, because not every spirit is from God. The spirit who names Christ as Lord, that is the Holy Spirit. And when you have the Holy Spirit, you don't need all these methodologies for divination. I don't want to go into detail here today, except that I'm sure there are people who need to hear this. All the different means by which if you go to uh, mediums or soothsayers, which you shouldn't be going, but if mediums, soothsayers, whether tarot cards or, 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 or any other method, these things are just little methodologies that link with the spiritual realm. But <laughs> the only way you know they are linking with the Holy Spirit is to name Jesus Christ as your Lord and surrender to him. And when you have the Holy Spirit, you have no need for any of these other means. Because the Holy Spirit lives within you. And the Holy Spirit can talk to you. Yes, he can. And he can lead you. All you have to do is kneel down and pray. If you have a question, ask him. He'll lead you to the Bible. He'll give you a dream. He'll give you a vision. He'll give you a testimony. He'll come along behind you and slap you around the head. He'll do whatever is necessary to wake you up and say, yes, I'm here. He is the one who gives you revelation. And the more you keep your eyes on Jesus, that spirit of revelation flows into every part of your life. And you will not only be able to have guidance and wisdom for your own life, but you will find words of wisdom coming from other people. They'll say, where did you learn that? Where did you learn that? Why? It's God's spirit speaking through his word. Amen and amen. amen. Also, we have a fresh vision of God a fresh vision of Jesus, this is what gives you a supernatural confidence concerning the future. Some of my New Age friends <clears throat> send me almost every day some video from YouTube. And, and in, that, in that realm, there's so many doomsday videos giving you dates and places where catastrophes are supposed to happen. And thank God those dates have come and gone and Jesus stays forever. Amen. But they are into something. And this is the theory that there will be a new world order that will be headed up by a spiritual personified evil person whom they are prepared to call Antichrist and we are all going to suffer. That's, that's the, but it's only part of the picture. Oh yes, Antichrist may come, yes. New world order may come. But there is another new world order and his name is Jesus. He's seated at the right hand of the Father and he'll give you hope that you are going to overcome. Amen, amen and amen. You know, the, whatever the devil can do in this planet ain't gonna be the end. I'll tell you what the end is. The end is the purpose for which God created the beginning. The end is the purpose for which Jesus has entered this planet and died for us so that his kingdom may come and that we will live and rule and reign with Christ forever and ever in new heavens and a new earth. That's our hope. And when you see Jesus, my dear friend, where do you see him? Crowned with glory and honor, full of authority, full of splendor, seated on the throne of the universe. The new world order of God has begun and his name is Jesus and he's coming again and he's going to give us such a joyful, 
reunion and we know that it's real because he is already there and it's too late, devil, you've lost. Heaven is already in my heart. Amen and amen and amen. Oh, go ahead, give him a big praise. I love it, I love it, I love it. Hebrews 2 verse 9, but we see him for who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. Through Jesus' death and sacrifice he was given a place of supreme authority. He's seated on the highest throne of the universe. And the context here is God says Jesus exhibits God's plan for humanity. He became flesh so that we might be joined to him and experience the destiny of the new Adam and the kingdom of God. As it is, we don't yet see our humanity glorified. All right? Look around the room if you doubt me. I know people have got their Sunday best, but underneath that maquillage is a face in need of friendship. <laughs> underneath those wigs, there is a head. <laughs> oh, come on. Hey, come on. Oh, come on. Hey, hey, listen. Don't think I haven't noticed. Oh, no, 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 no. You keep looking good. You, I even thought of getting one myself. I'd like to have some dreadlocks or two. I'd like to be a new, uh, a new Samson. Yes, all right, okay. But the point is, is underneath the external, underneath the Sunday best, underneath that French cut suit, which I love and love and love, thank you very much, <laughs> is a heart that is crying out in need of Christ. Amen and amen. amen. So we know that in place of all of these things, where we do not yet see our humanity glorified, we, nevertheless, we see Jesus, he's already glorified, and he's our hope and confidence that as he is, so are we in this world, and we shall see him, and when we see him, we shall be like him, and we shall see him face to face. That's our confidence. And also, drawn alongside that, it is our rest and our peace. Oh, ho, 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 ho. I just got into trouble talking about your wigs. <laughs> now I want to talk about what's in your pill closet. Now, let me just say this. I'm making a big disclaimer, doctor. If a medical practitioner, a doctor or a psychiatrist prescribes you medication, they know what's good for you, do it. However, there is something stronger than Prozac. There's something stronger than any of those antidepressants which are proven to be effective and under clinical conditions. All right, all right, all right. I don't want to get in trouble with the doctor. <laughs> but there is a need in the human heart where no chemical, either natural or man-made, can touch. And his name is Jesus. And he can give you, he can give you a peace that passes all understanding. He can give you a peace that's stronger than Prozac. He can give you a peace that can deal with anything that antidepressants, as effective they may be within their proper, proper medical ordering, can never achieve. When you see Jesus, peace comes to your life. You can be in the final moments of your life as Stephen was. 
the first Christian martyr. And as he was about to receive his final breath, heavens opened and he saw Jesus. And he said, I've got a feeling everything's going to be okay. I have seen the Lord. Whatever you're going through. And God does not guarantee you and I to have an easy, quiet life. But we know ultimately it goes well with the righteous. I said it in English, I tried to say it in Creole, but there were no people from Sierra Leone. Sedan Fuigo, Eldi the Righteous. Okay. Whatever is happening, we know it is well, it is well, it is well with my soul. That's the peace. I want to encourage you today. You may look out on a world which is akin in your imagination to a living hell. You may look on the inside and find it worse. But I want to tell you, if you keep your eyes on Jesus, he will calm every storm and he will fill every troubled breast, breast with supernatural peace. Amen. Why? Because he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Amen. amen and amen and amen. Hebrews 1 verses 1 to 3. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. I hope you're not ashamed to call Jesus the son of God. The prophets came, the prophets went, but the son came and it was the final word to humanity. Why? He has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world, who is this Jesus, God manifested in the flesh. Verse 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, very God of very God. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's my Jesus, that's my Christ, that's my Savior. After making purification for sins, he sat down the right hand of the majesty on high. Meaning, job done. Devil, game over. Jesus has already won. And he sits in that place of conquest of victory, that place of triumph and authority, and that place of peace and rest, knowing that from his conquering throne, he can pour out shalom on the entire world. The peace of God comes to your heart when you keep your eyes on Jesus. And as our text says, when we see him, we are changed from glory to glory. You may look very still and static but you are being changed right now. Amen. Holy Spirit's working, bringing transformation, sorting through the rubble, rubbish, and clutter of your life and mine, and saying, hmm, throw that one out. Hmm, change that. Hmm, that has to go. We'll replace it with this, replace it with that. And before you know it, oh, something's happened. We're being changed. What's the secret? 
Is it because you are following the letter of the law? No! It's because you are surrendering to the spirit of the new covenant. We are being changed from glory to glory by the Lord who is the spirit as we fix our eyes upon Jesus. It is remarkable. The secret of transformation is to take your eyes off yourself and onto him. Take your eyes off humans onto him. Take your eyes off your circumstance onto him. And even take your eyes off your sin. Oh, I love that. There is a spirituality attested to by every real saint of God down through the ages is the closer you get to God, the more you are aware of your own sins and failures. On the one side of that, I want to speak to the truth of it, okay? We don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There is a truth in it, but it's not the whole truth. So it's simple. I've done it often. Let me just check. You check to see me. You just check to see. Did I get matching socks today? Yes, they are. <laughs> Especially when we wear something blue and dark blue. You know, in the morning, get out, pull out a pair of socks. My, 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 they look black, but they're blue. <laughs> well, they look blue and they're black. You need to bring it to the light. And the more we present our lives to the light, the more we see our imperfections. But the moment we see them, we, we, we turn away from them, you know? You don't take it out and, and, and observe it and hold it dear. Some people say we should live with a constant sense of sin consciousness. No, 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 no. They've forgotten our verse. You take your eyes off everything and put your eyes on Jesus. You are drawn to the most dominant image in your mind. Remember David when he sinned? He sinned terribly. King David. King David. Committed adultery and multiple murders. And he was God's chosen one to inherit kingdom. And David tried to keep it quiet and he struggled with it, tried to justify himself. And, and during that time, when he was not facing up to his sin, he said, my sin is ever before me. Meaning the moment he dropped it, turned away from to put his eyes on Jehovah, he had a new heart and a new spirit. So we don't walk in sin consciousness, we walk in Christ consciousness. We keep our eyes on him. And of course the sin has to be dealt with. And sin can be one of the biggest things that will block your vision of Jesus. But you turn away from even the sight of it and look to Jesus who is your saviour. And he'll say, Colin, I got it under control. He'll call your name. I got it under control. I shed my blood for that. Bring it to me. I'll wash it. I'll cleanse it. I'll restore you. And you will know what it is to see a vision of the glory of the Lord. I think people of God, we've got to get it right. I know that the closer you walk with Jesus, the more sensitive you will become to the things that he likes and dislikes. That's true. But you don't live with this consciousness of your sin. Even as soon as you acknowledge it, you bring it to him, and it's gone. Amen? It's gone. So there, it goes on to say that Jesus 
He sat down at the right hand of the majesty, having made purification for sins. In other words, the job's done. There's a sense of rest, a sense of peace. He's accomplished everything. Every commandment you'll ever need to obey to qualify you for heaven, Jesus has already obeyed. Every punishment that could ever be yours that would keep you from heaven, he's already taken. He has fulfilled everything. He's received everything. He's taken the rap. And all you need to do is to rest in his glory and in his accomplishment as you keep your eyes fixed on him this is what brings us into change years ago when a number of us went and did our motorbike training and if you remember there used to be loads of motorbikes Bruce had his Ducati I had my BMW (laughs) and so on it's amazing what, well, you know, some of us, it's the ministry does it for you. I'm speaking to the church board member. Have mercy on us. It's a ministry. Drives us a bit crazy. But anyway, we were learning. Bruce and I, we did our driving test together. He got his first time. I, I had to take two attempts. But I remember they were saying, now, okay, eye-to-hand coordination. Anybody, bikers or even cyclists here? All right. Okay, some of you ought to get out more. Anyway, all right. (laughs) So, if you see an obstacle in the road, and you're traveling, and you look at the obstacle, you will hit it. The way to avoid an obstacle is to look away. Because of eye-to-hand coordination. You look away, the bike will follow the direction you set your eyes in. That's just a driving tip. That's just a mechanical, eye-to-hand coordination. It is a biological reaction. It's how we are made. So why do we tell Christians, keep looking at your sin? Keep looking at your sin, and you will repeat it, and repeat it, and repeat it, and repeat it. Turn your eyes away and look at Jesus, and you will have victory. You will have victory. So it's about turning away. And you know, the, the thing is, is that... You become, it's a wonderful spiritual principle. The more you look, look at Jesus, the more you look like him. Have you seen some of these dog owners? Have you seen them? <laughs> Next time, don't stare, especially somebody who's a little senior. He's had a dog for a while. Have you seen how the owners and the dogs look almost exactly alike? (laughs) Have you seen that? Um, I've just got myself into trouble. Let me try and, let me try and dig myself out. Husbands and wives who've been around together for a long time. As the old song says, it takes a lifetime to say I knew you well. So you sit down together and you ask one person a question and the partner replies. <laughs> you say, you go to a restaurant, what would you have? I, I, I'll have uh, egg and chips and sparkling water. What would you have? Egg and chips and sparkling water. <laughs> do you do anything apart? No. Do you love the same things? Yes. You've grown like each other. So now listen, word of advice to the single, watch very carefully who you spend time with. Because 
if you go on in that relationship and God blesses you with a wife and a life and family, you're going to be like that person. So you better make sure you like her at the beginning. Amen. <laughs> or like him. All right. Sorry about that. That's just craziness. That's just a word for some of the people here whose mind was wandering on other things. Dogs, partners, citizens who change nations, who take on the social conditions and characteristics of their adoptive nation. The more you spend time, the more you focus on something, the more you become like that thing. That's why we've got to put all our focus on Jesus. The more you see him, the more you focus on him, the more like him you become. You can't spend time with Jesus and come out talking like a devil. <laughs> and so how do you know those who are spending time with Jesus? Listen to how they talk. Keep your eyes on Jesus. It's so wonderful. I've I got to balance it because it's not just, here I am, Jesus, I'm gazing at you. And that's all the effort I need to make. No, no, no. We've got to take that vision and take the discipline every day of saying, that vision, I'm going to do this because it's corresponding to that vision. I'm going to follow this because it's corresponding to the leading of the Holy Spirit. There is effort, not self-effort. There is discipline, not just self-discipline. It's how the Holy Spirit works. But the most important thing is you need to be gazing full in the face of Jesus. And when you do that, you will become like Him.